Welcome to Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. I'm film critic Gary Cogill, and today the Oscar-nominated writer of Sicario and Hell or High Water is back directing his third film, starring Jeremy Renner and Elizabeth Olsen. It's called Wind River. And a recent wine and film trip to New Mexico leads us to talk about the films that were made in that incredible state and also the wines of New Mexico. I'm wine expert Haley Hamilton Cogill. For the latest in the work from writer-turned-director Taylor Sheridan, a wine that honors one of the early Native American tribes of California and the tenacity they had living there at the time, Mount Brave. And as Gary noted, we spent a few days in Taos, New Mexico, teaching wine and film as part of the SMU in Taos Cultural Institute. Just, that makes me giggle a little that. bit. <laughs> we were great teachers. We were. Um, but we spent a day pairing, actually, the wines of New Mexico with many of the films made in the state. So we, we, we had, the films were obviously impressive, but we also had some pretty impressive wines. There were some nice surprises, I think, on both I, Yeah, sides. I wasn't, we, it was exciting to be able to share those. And, I and agree. we'll get into that a little bit later in the show. But first, we haven't really, both of us saw Wind River, but we, just the two of us, haven't really talked as much about it because I was kind of trying to, one, personally just under, you know, kind of get my take yeah. on it and then wanted to kind of save our discussion for the show. So, for right now, yeah, let's do it. So, well, let's, uh, just some information on Wind River. It's around a $12 million budget, so that's a very modest budget film, especially for who made it and who's in it, and the Weinsteins produced it. Yeah. Uh, it's written and directed by Texas filmmaker Taylor Sheridan, and I'm, we're, we're both huge fans. So he wrote Sicario, which was directed a few years back by Dennis Villeneuve, who went right. on and did Arrival. Right. And it's, and 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 I I just think that film knocked me out. I think they're working on a sequel to that. Uh, and then he wrote Hell or High Water and was nominated for an Oscar last year, and right. and rightfully so. That film with Jeff Bridges. We love that. So his third film, he decided to direct. It's part of a trilogy that he wrote. The first two taking place around Texas. This one in Wyoming, mm-hmm. in, in the middle of winter. About uh, you know, and Jeremy Renner plays Jeremy Renner from Oh my God, Avatar. No, was, no, was, no, Jeremy no, Renner was in Hurt Locker. That was the other guy. Yes, that, no, Hurt yeah. Locker. It's Hurt Locker guy, Jeremy And he Renner. was also Jason Bourne as he was— um, Yes, he was. In one of the Bourne movies, he wasn't obviously Jason Bourne. Yes, he was. But he, um, but he was very cold in that movie, too, which brought it all— Well, and his grandmother lives in Richardson, Texas. Oh, okay. So he's here a lot. I've run into him a few yeah. times. So he plays a local Wyoming uh, fish and wildlife agent. Very sad story. Very melancholy guy. Um, just holding on for dear life. And uh, Elizabeth Olsen plays a rookie FBI agent, not unlike Clarice Starling in Silence of the Lambs, oh. just kind of young <laughs> and naive and, and sent into the fire. And what's happened is in the opening scene, there, there's a girl that runs across barefoot of this wild landscape in Wyoming and uh, drops dead. And she's not just she doesn't just freeze to death. Uh, she's been murdered. She's been killed. And she, there's some bad stuff that happened to her. She's, yes, they, they, I, I don't, I guess it depends upon how you define murder, but she, she, she was running for her life. Running for her life. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Because that, that's what makes this film a little bit better than most films. Yes. It's not so cut and dried, but uh, they, fi- he finds her dead. They contact the FBI, sends this inexperienced female, and, and the two of them really have to team up to figure this out. Well, and they're on an Indian reservation. They're on the Wind River Indian Reservation. Yes, they are. And, and so, 
like who has the jurisdiction there, which right. is also, uh, you know, he is he was actually brought in to to hunt some lions, which was actually pretty cool because there are lions on the <laughs> on yes. the reservation. There's mountain lions <laughs> that are killing livestock in in Wyoming. But then, you know, really this FBI they have to bring the FBI in because the local police have no right. jurisdiction in uh, on Indian territory. So and, and so and life on the reservation is very hard and very difficult. They don't have enough law enforcement. Graham Greene from Dances with Wolves. In fact, Graham was nominated for an Academy Award for Dances with Wolves. Uh, there's a really great part by Gil Birmingham from Twilight, mm-hmm. who is in that film. Mm-hmm. But it's about solving a murder mystery during the winter in Wyoming. Most of it, I think, was filmed in Utah. Mm-hmm. Uh, not parts not of it in Wyoming, but mm-hmm. most of it in, in Utah. So I, my overall take in this film is that I really like this film. I think Jeremy Renner was... It's, it's incredible. I think he's Oscar level. In I this think film. he was so great and so meaningful. And you're right, just so sad. He just is. Well, so Taylor broken. Sheridan writes that less is more, so he doesn't fill the host screen up with all of this drama and dialogue. Right. He doesn't over articulate. And I, I still think if there's a flaw in this film, it's slightly overwritten for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, she, I, I took a long time buying her character in this film. And we like Elizabeth Olsen. We like her a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and by the end of the movie, I bought her. But, mm-hmm. but there's, a, there's, it took me half that film to get there. Mm-hmm. And then you have the whole, just the give and take of who's in charge and law enforcement. And what can, what do you get away with? And has a lot of, have there been a lot of things that have just people that have gotten away with all kinds of bad things? For lack of law enforcement right. or lack of anybody even checking on them. Right. And then and then you have the sadness of the whole reservation of what's going on there, of the unemployment and the drugs and what's going on. And you have, you just, you have a, a recipe for just complete disaster mm-hmm. leading up to, and I don't want to give this film away, an absolutely stunning scene in the middle of the snow in the mountains that involves a shootout. Mm-hmm. And I I thought that host scene took my breath away because mm-hmm. those are hard things to choreograph. I don't think he's as good of a director, Taylor is, as he is a writer. writer. But the last two that directed his last two films are great directors. Well, and I think, you yeah. know, talk about a shootout because I think that, and and we talked about it when Hell or High Water came out um, on, on the show last year, just in the, the big, and if you haven't seen Hell or High Water, by now, then please, please see it. Please see it, and please, I'm going to give something away because there's uh, there's it's another on demand, and it's cheap, and it's awesome. There's another shootout, and and you're right. There, the the direction of the shootout with Jeff Bridges, and and the and the anger, and then the satisfaction, and then the complete sadness yes. that that was shown. And I don't, you know, I, I, I that's great acting, but I also think you had a very smart director in Hell or High Water yeah. that brought that out. And I, I would have liked to have seen maybe a little bit more of this, but it was. Mm-hmm. It was a great, it was a, a great chewed out scene. <laughs> it's really something. Also, it, this is all shot in the snow. I don't, yeah. This is not a CGI movie. They're cold <laughs> and they're freezing and they're overdressed and they don't, some of them have gloves and some don't and some have shoes and some don't and they're riding around on snowmobiles and it's not easy. Yeah. And they've got guns and you have to, we've been to Wyoming, 
you you kind of need a gun yeah. in those places. Or bear mace, you, yes. You know, or bear mace and, or mountain lion mace or whatever yes. you need. So, listen, I think it's a really good film. I don't think it's the film of the year, and I don't think it's as good as Hell or High Water or Sicario, but I'm putting it up there in that ballpark. I'm get, I'm, it's it's in the at least in the outfield of that film. Well, and I do think films. that Jeremy Renner certainly yeah. is. I don't know the film as a whole, but I do think yeah. Jeremy Renner really You can is. pick it apart, and the more we think about it, there, we, we can pick apart some stuff mm-hmm. that doesn't either sound logical or seem logical or... Or just didn't ring true, mm-hmm. but for the most Gosh, part, for the most part, I would recommend this film, and, and I would actually, I'd, I'll, I'll actually watch this film again because I want to pay a little bit more yeah. close attention. I think he's, I think he's just one of the great talents of writing right now that's going on. He's got three or four films that are on the way. So that's my take on it. I think Wind River is really worth seeing it, and it's got a great little part by uh, John Bernthal. Yes. From Walking Dead, who was also in Sicario, and, he, and he's in Baby Driver. And he was a bad guy in Sicario, and yes. he's, he's not a bad guy here, which is nice to see. Yeah, any t- and, yeah. Anytime we see a Walking Dead alumni in a movie— I get so excited. Ooh, we kind of freak out. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're so fans. Much. We're big fans. So we're on a reservation. We're in Wyoming. We, we like this film a lot. Um, it's a difficult film. It's not an easy film to pair wine with. It's hard, I think. Well, and I, again, it's I kind of go go back to Dunkirk, and I don't want to to disrespect the film because I really loved that film and yeah. and, and appreciated it, and so I I actually had a few different ideas of of really how to best pair this film because I do respect the place yeah. and and the situation and and really what what the the Indian tribes, Native American Indian tribes of America, are dealing with, but um think that this one's kind of a cool story. And so high atop, very rugged Mount Veter um, is Mount Brave Vineyards. And we've actually been up there. We we both had a chance to visit the vineyard uh, several years ago. But Mount Brave really it was created as a, a tribute to to the early pioneering spirit of of those that settled in the very rugged terrain of Mount Veter um, during the 1800s, mm-hmm. but also pays real respect and homage to the Wapo tribe, which was one of the early Native American Indian tribes of California. Wow. And it's it's such a, you know, the mountain vineyards of Napa Valley, which Mount Veter is in Napa Valley, um, are, are very, very remote and rugged and, and, and produce, you know, just incredible wines. But of all of the mountain vineyard, of all the mountains and that, that have vineyards on them, including Howl Mountain, including Atlas Peak, including, um, Spring Mountain, Mount Veter has always kind of been referred to as the most rugged and yep. the most rough. And, and it looks like it. And it's it's gnarly and it's rocky and it's it's very, very um it's very difficult to grow fruit on Mount Veter. It's very it's it's a very, very um you have to really, really work to produce a a really beautiful wine and and they do and Mount Brave yeah. they they make Cabernet they make a beautiful Merlot hmm. make a lovely um I think they make a lovely Malbec also but their their cab is kind of you know it's Napa Valley it's what they're known for but there's such a a lushness because it's also um, you get this lovely cooling from the the bay because it's it's kind of the first mountain vineyard as you as you drive up Napa Valley so it still kind of has that that cool coastal influence as well as very warm days that ripens fruit so you have a nice balance of acidity really really special wines but but really you know uh, a place and and a wine that that respects the land and yeah. respects 
the the history of of the people that that have lived there, you know, lived there the the longest and then settled there. So every time we've opened a bottle of Mount Brave, I I, I get kind of excited mm-hmm. because I just love those AVAs. Yeah, and I I love that mountain hillside fruit. Yeah, and you know, we have our favorites, but now. Every time I see a Mount Brave, I'll think of it differently. I think this is perfect because I, I it just that that whole story and the respect for the Wapo tribe and the respect for what was going on back there and, and to, to call that wine Mount Brave, mm-hmm. I I I'm all in. Yeah. I think that, I think it's really good juice too. Yeah, it's it's we know be- we're opening a good cab when we open yeah, that. Yeah, they're absolutely beautiful wines, yeah. beautiful wines. And if you don't drink Merlot, pick up a bottle of the, of this Merlot. It's it's a Merlot that drinks like a cab. It definitely is hearty and rich and robust and has some has some good structure to it and great tannin. So when I think back when I think back and I look and I have this image in my head of Mount Vitor because I know when you start yeah. entering Napa Valley and it's big and it's rugged mm-hmm. and when you get a little distance from it it's even bigger. Mm-hmm. Um I think of Gold Rush. Mm-hmm. I think of probably canyons up there and them trying to dig for gold. Yes. Did that happen up yes, there too? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's part of kind of, of of every, you know, so many different parts of California. Um, and and to do that in this place that still has a lot of very untouched land, you know, a lot of, of Mount Vitor unlocks some of, unlike some of the other um, mountains in Napa Valley, it's still untouched. It's still forest land. It's still, you know, it's, it's rocky terrain that, that you always say, you know, the, 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 the saying is that you want your vines to struggle. You want, you don't mm-hmm. want, you know, n- nutrient rich soil. You need it to be really, really difficult soil, but they can't even try to plant vineyards because they'd have to, you know, bring it, bring in. Yeah. Blasters and dynamite to to break up the rock. Yeah, it's and just excavate so, and all yeah, that it's kind of just stuff, so yeah. so um, rugged. Well, which this is I the, think produces a really interesting wine. So we have Mount Brave wine and we have Wind River, and I I think they go together. So if we ever get a chance, can we watch this movie yes, and drink this with wine? this wine? I think that's a perfect idea. I, I would do wait. that. When we come back on Cogill Wine and Film, a perfect parent, uh, we were recently in New Mexico and specifically in Taos for a while home to an ever-expanding film commission, big, huge wine industry. We're going to share a few thoughts on the wines and the films of New Mexico, and we will be right back. Welcome back to Cogill Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. If you've ever been to New Mexico, in particular, we've been to Taos recently. It's all about the art, the landscape, the local culture, even chili spices, and the laid-back vibe you get from just being outdoors in this absolutely spectacular place. And yes, we were teaching at the SMU Taos Cultural Institute. Their SMU and Taos Cultural Institute. Institute. So yes, we weren't actually teaching um, young college-age students. We were doing a, a, an accredited class. We we taught a lot of alumni and a yes. lot of, of guests. By the but way, it our, was class, true, yes. our class filled up instantly. We we were very, it seemed our our, our, our class was very popular, and it, we were called professors, which just that was kind well, of fun. And why would you not want to spend two or three days talking about wine in New Mexico and film in New Mexico? And, and why, why, why would you not want to do and that? And get to see and taste both. I think it's a perfect, I thought that was a perfect pairing. So here's a great question. We, we talk about this every once in a while. Why are movies that take place in Texas often not filmed in Texas? And the reason is our film commission in Texas is lacking and doesn't come through with funding. And they 
and I don't have anything very nice to say <laughs> other than uh, often they just let millions and millions and millions of dollars go right down the street to either Louisiana or New Mexico. Right. And in case hell or high water, which yeah. takes place in Texas, was shot in New, New Mexico, Mexico because it was cheaper for them. And they, they, they add incentives and you get a little bit back. I mean, if you're going to spend $10, 20000000 million and you're going to give a million and a half back, that, that makes, makes sense. Total economical sense. Absolutely. Rather than spend no money at all. Yeah. You know, come on. So the film commission of, of Mexico, New Mexico Film Commission has always been on, and they've been making movies for years. So particularly in around Taos, Easy Rider was the big thing yeah. for years. And in fact, um, the star of Easy Rider, Dennis Hopper, who directed Easy Rider, big iconic film, made for almost no money and made millions, made them all very famous. Jack Nicholson was not quite discovered because he did a horror film before that, but he was an easy writer in about half the film and it made him famous and he got an Oscar nomination for it. But a lot of people don't realize that Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, once they start taking off, uh, chasing them, the the good guys chasing the bad guys, uh, they chase them mostly through New Mexico. Mm-hmm. They get out of Bryce Canyon and then out of Utah and out of Colorado and they get into New Mexico. And they made a really bad film, The Legend of Lone Ranger with Johnny Depp. <laughs> yeah. An Army Hammer. An just Army couple Hammer. Years ago. And yeah, it's, that was it dreadful. cost like $150 million <laughs> and it's flat as a pancake, but boy, New Mexico looks great. Yeah. And then they, and then. But you also, so Easy Rider, because Dennis Hopper, I'm sorry, right. I just want to go back, because yeah. Dennis Hopper, didn't he live, didn't he like stay in Taos after making that film for a while? So the truth is the community there really embraced that film. They shot all around. Taos, but in uh, you know, in all different communities within about a hundred miles of there. And yes, uh, he s- fell in love with it so much he moved back there and lived there for more than a dozen years. Married and divorced there, um, had a tumultuous life, probably doing a lot of drugs, probably kind of a mess in and out of movies. Uh, eventually, got cleaned up, got sober, right. got remarried, and uh, but he's buried near there in a cemetery. Mm-hmm. Just within miles of downtown mm-hmm. Taos, New Mexico. But yeah, it was a big deal. So there's this giant gorge near there mm-hmm. called uh, Rio Grande. Rio Grande. I don't know if the, if it's Grande or Grande, but Rio Grande River flows through there, and the gorge is over 650 feet deep. Uh, in some places, close to a thousand. Oh, did and, we do a field trip out to the we, gorge? We took our students on a field trip. Some of them could actually walk down there. It was awesome. They were all such troopers. We didn't walk down to the gorge. We walked on the bridge. We walked to the bridge, but it's a precarious walk. Yeah, and as we walk uh, out to the bridge, it's very narrow. And that's where they shot the movie Terminator Salvation. Right. And they blew up half that bridge. <laughs> and that whole sequence to me in there is really breathtaking on film. It's mm-hmm. not my favorite Terminator movie, right? but that sequence is the best sequence in the movie, and that's the Rio Grande Gorge Bridge. Right. Also, they drive over it in Twins, Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah. and Danny DeVito. They drive over it in Wild Hogs. <laughs> but in that movie, uh, Oliver Stone's Natural Born Killers, which is one of the most difficult movies to watch because they are, too, natural born killers. It's, they're on a crime spree. So, yeah. They stop on that gorge bridge. They stand in the middle of one of the little, I want to call them outserts, not mm-hmm. inserts. And they marry each other there. And they throw the veil off into the down below. And it's the only sweet scene in a very violent, difficult film made by Oliver Stone. I, I, and that just creeped me out, seeing that whole scene. So we watched the scenes with everybody and all of our students. And then we took all of our students and we squinched them down and <laughs> squeezed them down and got them on a bus and took them there. We all walked on the bridge and it's kind of an awesome feeling yeah. 
to see that and realize that every time in a movie now, when it'll happen again and again and again, because it's narrow and it's out in the middle of the, you know, just kind of drops off in the middle of this prairie. And it's a, it's a pretty stunning thing. I'm also going to say that Breaking Bad changed a lot of things for New, New Mexico. Mexico. Absolutely. And it made the Albuquerque, I don't know if it's Albuquerque Film Commission, but the whole Albuquerque um, um, film crews and everybody stay there and work there because now they're doing Better Call Saul. And most movies uh, that take place in New Mexico try to shoot in and around Albuquerque mm-hmm. more than anywhere else because the incentives are good. The location is, you can get out, right outside of Albuquerque and look like you're in the middle of nowhere. Right. And the landscape is, becomes a, another character in right. the film. Right. So I, I am, it's well, really I, fun looking at that and realizing as you drive from Alba, we flew to Albuquerque and drive through Santa Fe into Taos, you just see everything looks like a movie set to me. Well, but I also think that it, that it, kind of an interesting thing as we talk about film and then as we're, we're going to talk about some of the wines, but then just think about, about, every kind of art as a whole at at all of the different artists that have found such inspiration in these landscapes of New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Santa Fe is obviously a, a very, very uh, big and and Huge. and popular artist community for for artists of all all kind. And I think it's I think that when when we think of art, sometimes we just think of a of a painting or a uh, you know, something that, or a sculpture or something that, mm-hmm. that is maybe a traditional medium of art, but, but film is as much an art and wine is as much an art and poetry is as much an art right. and, and writing is as much an the art. The storytelling and, of it all, because it all evolves around a story. Right. And, and how, how these landscapes and how this, you know, the mountains leading to these vast desert kind of plains have inspired generations of mm-hmm. of people and and then some of the influence not to to get into it as much but but even that coming off of our discussion about wind river you know this is there's such a huge native american indian uh, influence in in everything there's, in everything there the food the culinary wise the there's art. such a huge hispanic influence yes. there's you know you think about just just the the generations of people that have 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 lived in New Mexico and and their histories and where they've come from and then how does that impact what's what's going on today yeah. which i just I, f- I found it really interesting it's my first time to to spend any time in Taos and so it was nice to i found it inspiring yeah yeah and, and the and air was so clean the air was so clean it was so cool and it was so beautiful and that was what you know it kind of bringing in some of the wines that we were able to to taste and learn about you know gruet is is a very large sparkling wine producer probably the largest Sparkling wine producer. How do you spell Gruet? G R U E T. Okay. Which some people might say Gruet, like Moet, but it doesn't have the little. The E doesn't have the little. The little. Yeah, and you're not drinking Merlot. No, we're not drinking Merlot, or and it's not. It's Gruet. It's not a a, a, a Meritage. It's a Meritage. <laughs> Meritage. <laughs> like heritage. Um. Anyway, so uh, they, but it's classic Champagne House that um came to America to find land, didn't look at California wanted to find something outside of California one because it was more affordable, found really the terroir of 
of New Mexico to be perfect for sparkling wine, which if you think about it, very, very hot days, but very cool nights. The temperature drop at night, even in the middle of July and, you know, very hot month was still so nice at night that we could, we could walk around and, and, and the mornings were so cool that I actually had to have a little sweater on my walk. And, and some in our house would call it a rappy. I had a little rappy and, and it was just so, you know, that's the ideal conditions for growing great grapes as a whole, but then especially with sparkling wine, because you want that fruit to be ripe early. You mm-hmm. want to pick, though, before it's it's completely ripe, because you want to make sure that you maintain that freshness and that acidity so it it can create a really lovely sparkling wine. Their Blanc de Blanc, I think, was probably my favorite that we tried. Mm-hmm. Um, 100% Chardonnay, really, really light, kind of the the classic uh, it's a good sparkling wine. It's a really nice sparkling wine. Lots of golden apple, lots of, of citrus notes, little toastiness, little yeah. almond um, for under 20 bucks. Yeah. You Traditional get mi- method. And you get know. the minerality in it, too. You do. You I do. Think. So because of the soil you, there you, yes. and the rocks. Yes. You you get the the kind of intensity um, that that just the, the terrain brings. Yeah. We had a couple other, others that I thought were really special. La Trapata. Um, La Tirapada. La Tirapada. That's probably correct. Thank you. That um, we had their their winemaker select white wine, which was just a really light and lively. Um, didn't actually. Uh, it's a lot of of varieties that grow well in in New Mexico because these elevations are also really high. Mm-hmm. So I mean, just the the elevation of Taos is what like seven thousand feet. Yes. So uh, the elevations are very high. So it's a lot of the grapes that that grow at these uh, that do well mm-hmm. these very um, high elevations. Kind of reminded me a little bit of Alto Adige, a lot drier than, than Alto Adige, Italy, but, but these, you know, just the fact that you can have these beautiful grapes thrive at elevations that are 5,000 feet. It's and kind of 6, awesome, feet. actually. Yeah. Um, and maybe not the, the varieties that you would think about or that are, are common or kind of the international varieties, but, but ones that okay, it's like that's something interesting. Let's let's have a try. And just this this one in particular had lots of melon notes and lots of tangerine and nectarine. A little white flower it was really really hmm. beautiful. Um, and then Casa Rondena, their nineteen, their sixteen twenty nine founders reserve at Cab Tempranillo honored some of the earliest grapes of of that were grown in New Mexico. The you know they they've actually been growing fruit in New Mexico since 1629 which I just found pretty since fascinating. 1629. It was a it was a, a you know it was by the monks. By the Spanish monks they had been importing Spanish wine and finally said okay this is ridiculous why do we have to bring in wine from across the ocean let's just find a way to grow it ourselves and and Cabernet and Tempranillo, obviously being a Spanish, you know, Spanish variety, Cabernet were the two two of the the varieties that I could see Tempranillo grown. growing there yeah. and growing well, yeah, which does well in Texas as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Excuse me, I have to cough. Oh, <coughs> excuse me. But they were. It was, I thought it was just a really nice. 
you know, they New Mexico wines maybe aren't the first thing that I reach for on a store shelf, but but now I'm interested, and yes. and I I was really pleasantly surprised by by the quality and then the just the approachability of the wines, and and like I said, the the bubbles in particular, the I yeah. would drink that wine any day. Yeah, in fact, I, I would drink that wine, and I would not know that's from New Mexico yeah. until you told me. Yeah, yeah, it would, which I find so. We have the Gruet, the La Chirapada, the Casa Rondena, R- Rondena, R-O-N-D-E-N-A, 1629 Founders Reserve, and it's a Cab Tempranillo yeah. blend. Yeah, and we'll oh. have all these. We'll put nice. I'll, I'll, we'll put some notes on each of nice. these up on our, our some blog. Some fascinating films and fascinating wines, yeah. and you find them yeah. of all places in New Mexico. Well, next week on Cogill Wine and Film, A Perfect Parent, look at Catherine Bigelow's highly disturbing new film, and it's about what took place in 1967. 1967. Back 50 years ago. 50 years ago in Detroit, and that's the name of the film. And first it was England, and then they went around Italy, and now Steve Coogan and Rob Bryden are taking their Sean Connery impressions back on the road for a culinary trip through Spain. I can't wait to see that film. <laughs> you sort of can't wait. Well, I loved loved the second one. The first one, not so much, but I do love Spain. So, And we love the food in Spain, so it's culinary and it's two funny guys. And it's called A Trip to Spain, trip right? Trip to Spain, yes. yes. We, we will have more on that next week, but for more on the films and the wines we've discussed, us today, please check out our blog on cogillconsulting.com or through Facebook. Follow Gary on Twitter at Gary Cogill and see what we're drinking now by following me on Instagram and Twitter at Dallas Uncorked. And with that, I'm Gary Cogill. As usual, I'm looking for the next great film. I'm Haley Hamilton Cogill, always in search of a great glass of wine. Join us next time on Cogill Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing.